What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Sac City Podcast, the best NFL football show on the interwebs. We appreciate you guys checking in with us. We got two, one half of the mighty Sac City crew. I am your host, Mr. Yup Boy, the reigning, defending, ain't ever gonna give it up, apparently somewhat heavyweight, valedictorian of the world, not just the city, dealing the world, AJ Johnson. And of course, <laughs> to the other side, we have a um, top tier <laughs> vocal talent. I don't know if I can uh, go down the route of the smoothest, you know, I still feel some type of way about that. A top tier. Talent in the industry, Mr. Dylan Dixie JB, underage but just got above age, scroll neck loving Kearns. What's up, boy? How you doing today, man? You know we're doing well. Do you know you talk about smoothest voice, AJ? I think this is the best vocal talent a two man show can have. I mean, I, yourself I include, like you are. Whether you're doing voiceover work, whether you're doing comedian work, whether you're, whatever. You, like you got that, you got the golden pipes, and yeah. I, I don't, I don't hear it in myself, but everybody tells me I got a good voice. But let's, I mean, this is going to be a good show just from a vocal um, appealing process. Don't sell yourself short, man. You, you got some pipes as well. It's so natural. That's why you don't hear it in yourself oh. because it's that every day, you know. And I'll tell you this: I didn't take enough time to appreciate my voice because I hear it all the time. But every now and then I'll listen in to make sure I'm coming out correctly. And I'll notice where like if my voice is sounding really deep or if I'm outside of my octave. So I'll, I'll tell you, one thing you can do to help yourself look good or, or sound better, pay more attention to your voice when you speak regularly, just day to day and see where your vocals like land. Uh, I, I started paying attention, actually. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. It was some good stuff. I got you. Stuff. Got you. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys being in the chat. Shout out to our guy, Bailey, always here, always interactive. Shout out to our boy, Sherm. We appreciate the love. Always got some new ones. Mr. Devin Marzell, appreciate you being in. <laughs> Russ looks fat and orange. Looks like we got a hater C fan, a Seahawks fan who won't let it go. It's all good. We love it. We love all the NFL fans in the chat. Rock with us. Today is our first, first NFL fantasy conversation that we are having here on Sac City Pod. As you can tell, it is two of the four. Uh, Aaron and Vinny are out on some uh, assignments, errands, some assignments, uh, getting some stuff done, hopefully actively promoting the show. So they have left it in our hands. <laughs> Mistake number one. Uh, <laughs> but we're hoping to put together a really good show for you guys. And we're going to basically jump right in here. And before we jump into fantasy, uh, we always have the top stories. Um, so let's jump in right here first. About an hour, about an hour and a half ago, we got breaking news, great breaking news. The one, the only, Aaron Donald has reached an extension with the Los Angeles Rams, a two-year, $60 million extension, bringing his contract to a total of $95 million over the next three years. Aaron Donald becomes the first non-QB to eclipse $30 million per season. He now joins... Uh, LT as the only defensive player in history as a defensive rookie of the year, two-time defensive player of the year, first-time All-Pro at least five times, and a Super Bowl champion. Dylan, what were your thoughts once you heard this news? Thank goodness. 
Thank goodness was my reaction when I heard that news. I mean, you got to think here. This was a dude who was mulling retirement if he didn't get this deal. Someone who teased it a little bit, and there were thoughts after the Super Bowl, potentially this could be it for Aaron Donald. Thank goodness, because he's the best defensive player I've witnessed in my lifetime. Granted, it has been a short lifetime, only 21 years. But still, Aaron Donald, whenever he's on, whenever he's on the football field, that guy is just a matchup nightmare. He bulldozes anybody in his way. He'll pancake guys. He's got more pancakes than Waffle House. Um, that guy gets it done. I mean, he, he does everything on a football field well. The money, I don't think that's even an issue. Um, just get your money, whatever. I would have paid him whatever I could to get him to stay uh, in, in L.A., and that's what they did. Uh, he's well worth every single penny he's getting. This is a guy who's, I'd say, a sure lock for the Hall of Fame right now if he were to retire, and he's just continuing to play, which is great for us because he didn't Calvin Johnson us. I would have went more pancakes than IHOP, but I, I still like what you did there. I still like what you did there. Uh, this came as no surprise, really, to me um, for multiple reasons. One, the way Aaron Donald handled it to me was class act. Was he, he was asked about his money every day, basically, since the Super Bowl. Are you coming back? Are you retiring? And, of course, he'd answer questions as they were given, but he didn't make a big deal about it. He didn't go on some diva spiel about how he deserves this paycheck. He even said, I'm at peace. He, his entire his entire career, what he needed was a Super Bowl championship. He wanted a ring, and he got that. Would he? Does he love the game of football? Would he enjoy playing year in and year out? Absolutely. So the fact that they got this done was a was a plus for him. But as he mentioned, he could have rolled off in the sunset. He's made plenty of money. He's got his Super Bowl ring, uh, his Super Bowl ring, and now he can come back and play for the love of the game as well as the love of competition. Uh, there's no dispute that he deserves it. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's got 98 sacks in his career. And it's not just about what he does on the stats. It's about what he creates for everybody else on his team. This guy has probably been double teamed more than any other defensive player in the history of the game, in my opinion. When he's on the field, it is so much harder to stop anything that defense has going because so much attention has to be given to Aaron Donald. So uh, I'm happy he got his contract. I'm happy they're running it back. Um, so to speak, if we'll see if they're going to win another ring back-to-back. You know how hard that is to do in the NFL. But they definitely have a better chance now that 99 is back on that defensive line and uh, ready to go to work. Anything else on Aaron Donald in your mind? Or? No, just he, I, just, I just am excited, honestly, dude. Like, that was my initial reaction was, let's go. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm not a Rams fan. I'm a, I'm a football fan. Right. I'm a Jags fan. Like, whatever it is, right? I like football and I like seeing the best players play and Aaron Donald's one of those players. So just to see him back, just amazing. Well, uh, I mean, did you ever really think that uh, he wasn't going to re-up though? Like to me, I never thought for a second he wasn't going to get re-up. Like I I, I just thought it was when the time came correct, he would be there to do it was, was my thought process. I was more scared about retirement than anything. Like, I don't, I don't care if he's like, he was not going anywhere else. He was either staying in LA or he's going to retire. And he eventually ended up getting that contract, which happened today, but still like, I, I didn't think I, I, I seriously worried about retirement, but I'm glad he re-upped. Word. In other contract news, sir, <laughs> one Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens has yet to show up to uh, any of the Baltimore Ravens offseason training programs. Uh, he's been in the news a little bit. Chris Sims kind of went at him a little bit for not being there. Um, some people are citing a contract dispute. Lamar Jackson going into his fifth year, final year of the contract. 
owed $21.5 million on this deal. And in all honesty, if you ask me, that's actually a lot better than what most QBs are looking to re-up for on their last year of the contract. But um, do you think, do you think this is about a contract dispute for Lamar Jackson? Or do you think he's just kind of taking the season? I mean, they were last year, they were all banged up. Everyone was injured, just looking to protect his body this go around and uh, we'll be there when it's time to be there. You know, this is sort of that gray area for me with Lamar Jackson. I mean, this is a guy coming off a bad year. Let's be honest here. I know he was thrown to nobody. I know a lot of people were hurt. His run game wasn't there. He was banged up throughout the course of the season. But 16 touchdowns and 13 picks last year, that's not good numbers, right? He didn't do a ton to help you win football games. But once again, I'm not worried about that. I I, I think right now, I, if I was Lamar Jackson, I'd want to be on the practice field. And I understand maybe he does want that money. Maybe that's something he does want. Is he, all right, let me get that contract, get me some security, and let's go. But if it is a true football thing to where he's protecting his health, I don't think that's the right move. I think the move right now is get into the facility work on getting back to being that star quarterback you were before last year. I'm not saying he was bad last year. All I'm saying is if you want to succeed in this league, you got to have that fight. You got to have that drive. And that's, so, that's something I want to see out of him, which I mean, it's, I, I've never questioned his work ethic, right? That's never been a question. I, it's like more, you are. no, I'm not, I'm not questioning his work work ethic. Cause you mentioned maybe he's taking time off to rest. I don't want that. I don't want that. If this is my star quarterback, I want him to be in the facility ready to work because what he put on the field last year wasn't great. But I, I, I want to say if it is a contract dispute, I respect him. Hopefully he wins that case. You're just, you're just so off base on this. Why? You're so off base on this. I, I understand. I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm one that could understand if he decided to be in the building just to be there to watch and oversee things and not work. At least that shows one little step of leadership. But at the same time, at the process of where they are in their off-season uh, training camp and OTAs and things, they're voluntary. They're voluntary for a reason, because this season is long. After what they've gone through in the past season, I have no issue at this point in time of him not being there. Now, when you get to mandatory training camp and things of that nature, if he's not there, then it's something to talk about, in my opinion. Lamar Jackson is one of the guys in this, in this building for the Ravens that is a bona fide leader, there's somebody that is going to work and hold people accountable. And when it's that time and that time comes, there's never a question about whether or not that's going to happen. So where they are right now, and, I, and I'm sorry, after if I'm Lamar Jackson in a final contract year and I've decided from what it looks like that I'm going to go out there, improve myself, improve that my contract that I'm going to negotiate is going to be worth the money I'm going to ask. I want to make sure that I'm as healthy as possible. I don't want to give any opportunity, any extra opportunity for me to go and get injured before it's necessary. because. You're right. After last year, when people had them as Super Bowl contenders and everybody got injured and they didn't sniff the playoffs, you can't have another season like that. You have to be in there and ready to go and healthy once it begins. So if I can take some extra time in the beginning of the season where they can focus on the guys behind me, they can focus on the young guys that we just brought into the building. So be it. Once I get in the building, we understand as Lamar Jackson, what's going to change, what's going to happen and what's going to be expected. I think, as far as. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to change the subject kind of. So okay. go ahead. If you have yeah. something else. So the, the thing, the thing with Lamar Jackson, I, I think it's more, he's holding out of his contract than you skipping OTAs here. Like that, that's the thing that I'm looking at. I think he wants that deal bad, especially coming off of last year. I think he wants to get paid, but I mean, that, that that's, that's where I'm at. I think this is a quarterback that says, Hey, I want to get paid. 
And that's why I think he's missing OTAs as opposed to trying to stay healthy for the season. See, I feel differently, though, because Lamar Jackson represents himself. And there hasn't been much right. conversation about him saying that they're not willing to pay him. From everything I've heard, that they've had enough conversations. He knows that they're ready to get a deal done. And he knows that he wants to ask for a certain amount of money. And that's kind of where I want to go, because when it comes to what Lamar Jackson getting paid, I mentioned he's owed uh, $23.1 million left on this contract. Let's, let's think about some of the other guys, other quarterbacks that are being paid per season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers at the top with $50.3 million. Deshaun Watson comes in next at $46 million. Patrick Mahomes at $45 a year. Josh Allen at $43 a year. And Derek Carr at $40.5 a year. When it comes time for Lamar Jackson to get paid per season, what do you think Lamar Jackson is worth? Is he worth this top five QB money? Oof. See, and that's, that's where – if I'm ownership, I say give me one more year. But if he's one more year, he could be top three money. That's the, that's the gamble you take because you know what this guy's worth, right? He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's dynamic. He's got the speed. He's got the game-changing game ability. This dude can do everything, right? I mean, yeah. there's so much going on with uh, what he can do on the field. So, I mean, I do think he's worth top five money, but I'm a little bit hesitant, just a little bit. I want to see him go out this year and really show, hey, I'm, I'm worth the top money and I can win football games in this league, which he's proven he can do, just got to get over the hump in the playoff. The thing that scares me, I love that a player wants to bet on himself, but after the season I had last year, the thing that scares me is if he is to go out there play his ass off, and then get injured again. Now you're given an excuse for them not to pay you the money you want. Now, with that being said, the Baltimore Ravens is one of the top-tier organizations in the NFL, and I think they understand what Lamar Jackson's meant to that organization. We're talking about the 2019 MVP. We're talking about the guy who led the league in touchdowns in 2020. We're talking about a guy who was taken out of the playoffs when he was brought in in the midseason, and they know what he's worth for them. So I would imagine that they would still do right by him to an extent, but if I'm Lamar Jackson and this really is a conversation about getting paid now, I feel like I might take it. If they're ready to give you top five money, and despite I believe he can get above Deshaun Watson right now per year. It may not be $230 million fully guaranteed, but I can see him being $48 million guaranteed a year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is 50 a year because of the way they did their cap and the fact that his contract is so short. But Lamar Jackson, for years to come, there's no reason to believe because he's shown enough of the arm talent. He's shown enough of the completion percentage. Sure, you mentioned 16 and 13 last year. I kind of I don't want to say outlier, but I don't think that's what you would expect from a Lamar Jackson going forward every year. I think you would expect him to be much better than that, even as his legs may decline, because that's just what father time does to people. So if it's me, I, I think Lamar Jackson going there and ask for 40, 48 million a year and and get yeah. it. And I think I think that's where he should sit because it's always the next guy up. But I, I do believe even though you're talking two million a year, fifty million may be hard to pull off per year. You can't bet uh, on last yourself. thoughts on Lamar. Yeah, you can't you can't bet on yourself, get injured, and then uh Earl Thomas your way to the fans and as you right. work your way out, right? <laughs> you gotta right. like it, it's it's a it's a it's a fine line right there, but hopefully um the right decisions made for Lamar. I wanna see him go out there play great football this year. And I think the Ravens have a shot this year. I I, I truly believe I, I I like this Baltimore team. Just the QB drama. Let's hope he can show up and start winning football games. Big paydays for two talented players and Aaron Donald, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Uh, excited to see this football season and watch these guys uh, take over the field as they do respectively. But we need to move on because it's fantasy time. But before we do that, 
Dylan, I am going to give you the job today. And if you, sir, can go ahead and tell the wonderful people where they can find us. Yeah. What's up? You can follow at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. All of your Sac City Podcast needs are all right there. You can get updates on Twitter. You can get graphic posts on Instagram. You can get a combination of both on Facebook. You can get our beautiful faces on YouTube and TikTok. Creativity is out of this world. Mr. AJ dropping good videos. I'm a little bit behind, but I'm getting on it. I'm getting <laughs> on it. Um, at Sac City Pod, you don't want to miss anything that we post because, uh, as my friend AJ Johnson says, the boys are indeed back in town. Yes, sir, we are back in town. So you get in the city with us. It's important for you to join us here in the city. And it's important for you to bring your friends with you. Don't just come to the city. When you go to spring break, you drive yourself. No, you come with your friends. Bring your friends to Sac City too. Tell everybody about us. Make sure when you're listening on every place you can get your podcast, you hit that follow button, you subscribe to the shows. We appreciate the love. It is time to get into it. It's fantasy time, Dylan. Are you... First and foremost, are you ready for fantasy season? Because you got some redemption to do after last year, bro. You were not impressive last year. I'm just going to say, you were not impressive as a fantasy player. You let Bailey beat you in fantasy football last year. <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Still There's a, a lot of people here. <laughs> well, let's see if maybe this year you can turn it around and be like some of these guys. Today, we are talking the top 10 finishers of the fantasy season. And here's your list of the 2021 top 10 finishers at the top of the list. Mr. Cooper Cup with 439.5 points. I'm not going to do that for everybody. Uh, Jonathan Taylor comes in at two. Devontae Adams at three. Austin Eckler at four. Debo Samuel at five. And as you can see, rounding out the top 10, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Mark Andrews, and Tyree Kill, respectively. Dylan, this list has some very, very talented players. But I want to point something out here. There's a guy that was on that list that neither of us believe will be on this year's top 10 list. And that man is one, Devontae Adams. And this is crazy, right? Because we're talking about the guy who finished number three overall last season. And neither one of us have him on our top 10 list that I'll be showing here in a second. Dylan. When it comes to Devontae Adams, where is your concern and why do you have him out of the top 10? You see, Devontae Adams, you could say that it's uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback. We saw what he could do in this league, and we see what he could do with Devontae Adams. Just a touchdown machine, um, chucking the ball to him in the end zone, just getting getting good things out of those two. That was a nice duo. I mean, you'd, you'd stack them up in fantasy and try to get both for touchdown, double touchdowns against the sorry-ass Lions and stuff like that. but. Now, I think with Devontae Adams, I know it's a new offense, and, and that's one thing that concerns me. It's not necessarily the chemistry with Derek Carr because they have that back to their NC State State days. And also, Derek Carr's produced top wide receivers in fantasy before. Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, uh, Hunter Renfro just last season. So he has produced wide receivers uh, as high fantasy football values. But what concerns me here is uh, not necessarily Derek Carr's connection with Devontae Adams. It's Hey, Josh McDaniels, this is him taking over an NFL team. He tried it in Denver. I know that's a long time ago. He won a lot of Super Bowls with 
uh, New England as an OC before that. But it's a brand new offense. They have other weapons on there with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. In Green Bay, it was just Devontae Adams, and everyone knew he was getting the ball, and he was talented enough to get the ball. I'm not saying he's not going to get force-fed, but all I'm saying is that production of the high 13-catch games, the three-touchdown games are not going to happen in Vegas, and that's where I think uh, he, he falls out of the top 10 in my ranks. Yeah, we all know exactly how talented Devontae Adams is, and we all expect Devontae Adams to still have a very good year. A lot of people are excited to see the, the connection between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams because, honestly, people may know that they played together at Fresno State, but not many people remember what that looked like. Uh, so some people are getting a taste of it as they are, in my opinion, much better players than they were at that point in time. Uh, where my concern comes in for Devontae Adams is I don't know that Derek Carr – can sustain what it took for Devontae Adams to become a number uh, top three receiver from last season. If you look at the last four years, Devontae Adams averaged about 153 targets over the last four years. When it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders, in 2021, Hunter Renfro had 128 targets as the top target getter. Uh, in 2020, Darren Waller got 145. That's the closest that even sniffs the average of uh, Devontae Adams. And in 2019, he had 117 targets. So what I worry about is I don't think Darren Waller is all of a sudden going to drop off the radar. I don't think Hunter Renfro is all of a sudden going to drop off the radar. Do we believe that Devontae Adams can do that much with less? And I'm not so certain in this offense that that's going to be what happens. Not to mention that I think this offensive line has regressed a little bit. They had a much better offensive line when they were a little bit more run heavy. I do know Josh McDaniels doesn't mind running the ball. But I also understand that he knows he has a talent in these receivers like a Devontae Adams, a Hunter Renfro, and a Darren Waller. So are we talking about maybe 110, 115 targets for Devontae Adams? Maybe just under 100 for Hunter Renfro, just over 100 for Darren Waller? I don't know if that's something we can see Derek Carr pull off. And it worries me that that won't be enough for Devontae Adams to get into the top three. And I think that's a good point you bring up there. But also you look at Derek Carr, he's only thrown over 23 touchdowns in a season once since 2016. And I mean, Devontae Adams, when he was good, he got his production in the end zone. I mean, that dude would, I mean, Aaron Rodgers would just find him in the end zone. He would get touchdowns almost every week. It was the best fan duel bet around. Um, but <laughs> anytime TD for Mr. Adams. But now it's like um, the, the way they factor in that offense is going to be. So we've seen Derek Carr force feed. Darren Waller before like Darren Waller right. has had those monster games where he's going off and stuff. And maybe that's where it takes a step back in his department. I think Waller misses out a little bit here. More of that uh, force feed action goes to Devonte Adams, but Adams is not going to be the guy that just gets tons and tons of volume the way he did in green Bay. And plus this is a division that's pretty talented and they're going to scheme against him. A, a great Denver team, a, a great Kansas city team, LA gets it done a great defensive coach there. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces on that in that division to where they might be able to game plan against one and say, hey, let's let Darren Waller beat us today. How far down on your list? I don't know if you thought about it that much, but how far down on your list did you have Devontae Adams? Well, I just threw my 10 in there. I'm probably saying he's probably around 18-ish. 18? I didn't go that far. Maybe 18. he's a top 20 guy. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think he's a top 12 still. I, mean, I have him. So my, my two honorable mentions, I think you can look at uh, Alvin Kamara being right outside the top 10. And I think you can look at uh, Devontae Adams being right outside the top 10. And of course, there's some other guys right there. I don't know if I could drop him that far to 18. I mean, he is still a very, very talented receiver and can still create a little bit on his own. Um, I just I just thought the target share, unless I think Derek Carr can only really force feed one guy. Uh, from what I have seen and from what the stats have shown over the last couple of seasons. And again, lots of turmoil, lots of moving pieces, lots of change in Las Vegas over the last four years as Derek Carr has really come on. Uh, but, I mean, you can say the same thing this season. There is a lot of change in that offense. Uh, Sherm has a question here. Over or under 1,150 yards for Do- Devontae Adams. Whew. Oh, man. That's 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 a, a very number, even right? line. That's an even line right number. there, Sherm. <laughs> Man. I I'm gonna go over. I think he can get to that twelve hundred mark. That's um, where I think he's at too. I think 12. he can get to the twelve hundred range. Uh I think it's more about and I mentioned this, I, I think I mentioned this with the rest of the receivers. I don't know if they can finish the job, and I'm not talking about Devontae Adams. So I'm thinking here it's more about the touchdowns uh for for Devontae Adams than it's going to be the yards, so to speak. I think, right, I, so. think, I think he'll get. I think he'll get under. You think he'll be under no, 1150 yards? Just he's in the 1100s, AJ. He's in the okay. 1100s. It's just not over okay. 1150. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's take a look at your top ten because I uh, I have some things I would like to hash out with you and uh, discuss on your top ten here. Um, I'm assuming we're going to start at the obvious. Um, number one at the top. Christian McCaffrey, you have right there. So, which tells me that you don't have much concern after two years of injuries on the Christian McCaffrey chain. So, you are expecting Christian McCaffrey to bounce right back and be the number one overall fantasy player again in 2022? Yep, I do. And the, and the reason I think that is because, I mean, sure, he's battled injury, right? He's changed his entire training regimen. And we've seen guys do this in the past. He went to Cabo. Um, we've seen a couple guys do their own thing to where they change their regiment. Now, Zeke's was more of a vacation. But look, looking at Christian McCaffrey, right, this guy is one of the most versatile running backs in the league. Phenomenal pass catchers. He could probably be one of the best receivers. He could be a good receiver in the NFL if he just played outside the entire time. And he can run the football. He does everything well, right? It just comes down to that health. I think they're going to use him a lot better. They brought in more running backs to spell him out a little bit but he's going to get his touchdowns. He's going to score like this guy. Whenever, whenever he was on the field, he had 28 fantasy points week one, 22 week. Then he got hurt. Like this dude, he puts up fantasy football points and that's what you need out of a great running back. McCaffrey. If you, I mean, the only thing holding you back is the health. That's it. I mean, this dude literally is Arian. Arian Foster went nuts when he was healthy. He only played six games a year, but that dude was a freaking dog (laughs) when he played. All right. That dude ran hard. He put up 25 point games. That's McCaffrey. Hopefully you can get him for 16 though. Um, But I mean, I think Christian McCaffrey is a legit fantasy football option this year because he's training. He's changing his regimen. I think that's going to help him out a lot. And I mean, who cares about the quarterback? He did this with bad quarterbacks in Carolina before. I think he's fine. Well, we all know he is the option. He's the offense for the Carolina Panthers, so to speak. No disrespect to DJ Moore and those guys, of course. But um, my issue that I have with you putting him at number one is I think to this point now, there have been enough other players who have ascended 
and then he's left enough question marks. It's not that he shouldn't be on the top 10 list, because obviously I have him there uh, at number four, as you see. But that's my issue, is that you didn't account for the fact that he has been injured when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. And to prove my point here, there's one difference that I can point out from my top 10 here and your top 10. And if you look at my number six being a Dalvin Cook, that's a guy who has finished as a top two, top three for the last couple of years, not counting last season. And you don't even have him on your list. And I would imagine it's because of his injury. So where's yep. the difference that you took Dalvin Cook completely off the list, but you didn't even flinch when it came to Christian McCaffrey and didn't even move him or take him down a peg in respect to a guy like Jonathan Taylor who finished the way he did, what we believe Derrick Henry will come back and do, and, uh, and some of these other guys. Hey, Christian McCaffrey has played every game in a football season before. In fact, he played 16 games three seasons. Dalvin Cook has never finished a season healthy, ever. He might have finished the season healthy at the end of the year, but he's always missed games. Every single year, this guy has missed football games. And I, I play I played with that into my rankings, right? I, I truly look at this as a football fan. I'm not wishing injury on anybody, ever, ever. That's not something I do. That's not something anybody should do is say, I hope this guy gets hurt. All you're saying is you got to look at data and you got to look at the way things play out. Dalvin Cook has never finished a football season healthy. He's getting tons of carries. They're running him into the ground in Minnesota. And I question if that can continue that's why you probably dropped him to six. You question, like, he's had a bulk of carries, a big workload, and he's only getting older, and every single year he gets hurt at some point. That's why I pushed him off my top ten. So the difference for me here is while Dalvin Cook has never finished an entire season, never played a full 16, he's been very consistent with what he's done. It feels like because the way we draft Dalvin Cook in fantasy, he's always in that top five. It always feels like when he's hurt, it's for longer than it really has been. But if you look at it, he's never, it's always been about 13 or 14 games. He had 13 games last yeah. season, uh, 14 the year before, 14 the year before that. And then you think about his rookie season where he got hurt significantly. Christian McCaffrey didn't even play double digits the last two years. That, I, to me, that's a bigger deal than a guy who's going to miss two or three games. Two, I'll take two or three games and draft Dalvin Cook sixth or seventh overall, knowing he might miss two or three games. Christian McCaffrey, you're talking about taking him in the top three, and there's a significant chance that he may go out for the season again. And the other part, it's just so frustrating because they always leave you up in the air with Christian McCaffrey. You hold on to him because you always think, oh, he'll be back by week six, and then they shut him down for two more weeks. Oh, he may be back by week 10, oh, but then he has a setback. And then they talk about him the next year. I just think that when you're looking at it, if you're thinking about a top 10 finisher and a guy that you're drafting that early because you expect him to be a top 10 finisher, I would feel more secure going after a Jonathan Taylor after his last season. Even with Derrick Henry's injury, I feel like I would be happier to take him this season before I would take a Christian McCaffrey because one, we know how hard he runs and what he can do. And two, he showed before he got injured that he's no, he's not the pass-catching threat that Christian McCaffrey is, but he, he's, av he's averaged six or seven targets a game, and he's averaged about three or four catches a game in most cases. So he can also work out of the backfield. So it kind of worries me that you didn't even, like, really filter in the thought process of, yeah, he may be a top-10 finisher, but I don't know if I can have him as my number one overall guy. I want to say one more thing here about Dalvin Cook. And I I'll say, if I'm on draft day, and I have an option, Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook, this kind of just defeats my logic entirely. I'd feel more comfortable <laughs> drafting Dalvin Cook 
because I can I know for a fact I'm taking Alexander Madison. If I'm taking Dalvin Cook in the first round, I'm taking Alexander Madison by round five. And that might be too damn high. But all I'm saying is I'm getting a legit, when all said and done, a Minnesota running back with the way they've run their offense the last five years, you're getting a top five running back no matter who it is because they have that replacement. And Carolina, if for some reason McCaffrey were to go down again, I truly believe he don't, which is why he's number one on my list. But if he does go down again, it could be Hubbard. It could, it's a lot of mixture, and you don't like those mixtures. Yeah, that's fair. After McCaffrey goes down, you're basically out on the running back. You're just taking a guy as an RB3 or a flex, a flex yep. play at that point in time. Whereas you, you're right about having a Madison, but from what I've heard, there's some speculation about who that backup may actually be. And I do agree. I think five may be a little too high to go and grab an Alexander Madison. I, you know, I understand the thought process of a handcuff, but I also, I also don't think you should reach that heavy because I think there's other RB1s that you can go and grab at that point that can do you just as good, just as much service. Fun fact. Um, Fun fact, I tried that strategy one year, Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, that thing was money. Absolutely yeah. money. That strategy it's, works. It's proven to work if you get the right handcuffs. But I, I'm not one that believes that you just go and grab the next guy because you have that guy. It has to be a legit handcuff to your to your running back. And the other thing I'll say about that, it is a little easier now because as we have seen in the NFL, these coaches are splitting carries a little bit more in most camps. There are very few at this point in time where it's just one guy and one guy only. Of course, they exist. But a lot of these camps are liking to spread these out so they can keep their running backs a little bit longer, at least till contract time, and then they can pass them off to the <laughs> next team, of course. <laughs> All right. the, next, uh, the next question I want to uh, just attack you about, because I think this is just wrong and hurtful and disrespectful, is the difference we have at number three and number nine. And funny enough, if I'm not mistaken, is this a complete flip-flop? This is a complete flip-flop of what we have here. I have Austin Eckler at number three and Nick Chubb at number nine. You have Nick Chubb at number three and Austin Eckler at number nine. I will go first and ask you why the hate on Austin Eckler, sir? You know, Austin Eckler, he had a fantastic year last year. Got in 16 games until the time where uh, Mr. Justin, uh, who was it? What was his name? It's a kid's Justin name. Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson won myself a fantasy football league. God bless him. But, you know, um, Austin Eckler, he had a fantastic year last year. And he, I mean, he's a good running back and uh, he's everything you want. I just question, like, once again, this is a guy with an injury history. He showed it last year. He could do it, right? He showed it last year. He could do it. But I, I question if he could take a full workload. Um, but then again, the guy did it last year. So it's tough. <laughs> it's, uh, like I'm sitting here just contradicting myself. Like he did it last year, but he hasn't ever before. So that still worries me. I think last year was technically an outlier um, when it comes to him. I think he got great production on the outside with Michael Williams and, and or Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and uh, mixing the ball around in those places. And it opened up spots for Austin Eckler to run. And that might still happen this year. But you got a rare occurrence as a Chargers team that had Mike Williams healthy for most of the year and Austin Eckler healthy for most of the year, which has never happened in their franchise's history at the same exact spot where both guys have been healthy for 10 plus games. So Austin Eckler to me warrants number three possibility on the simple fact alone of his volume and his usage. You can bring up whatever you want about Justin Jackson. 
But the fact of the matter is, he didn't sniff enough to take over an Austin Eckler or take away even from Austin Eckler's value last year. You look at the jump that Austin Eckler had from 2020 to 2021, 170 touches in 2020 and three touchdowns. Now, that was also unlucky because he definitely should have had more touchdowns than what he did get. That season, there was the Joshua Kelly, the Justin Jackson. I think there was another running back that was in the mix that they used a little bit here and there uh, that threw a lot of people off. And then you go to 2021, and he had 20 touchdowns and 276 touches. The volume alone is going to get Austin Eckler back into that teen range. Now, I don't think he's going to yeah. put 20 touchdowns up again. I mean, but at the same time, if he wants to do it back to back, it'd be an amazing feat. And I also wouldn't be shot because he has that type of talent. But I'm expecting him to land somewhere, maybe eight, eight rushing touchdowns and like another eight, another seven to eight receiving touchdowns. I mean, the the targets that he's going to get is going to is going to take him to the top tier of running backs and that's what we look at in an Austin Eckler I think when you look at it we know they drafted Isaiah Spiller but I think Isaiah Spiller becomes that number two I don't think there's a Justin Jackson you have to worry about anymore I don't think there's a Roundtree you have to worry about anymore I think Isaiah Spiller may may take the the goal line carries away and that's okay because it's not what you're looking for from an Austin Eckler anyways I think nine is crazy low for a guy like Austin Eckler no, I got one more point here. You brought it up. Thanks for helping my point here, Mr. AJ Johnson. The least I um, can do. It's the least. It's the touchdowns, man. It's the touch. And, and this is a, he's a similar back, you could argue, to Alvin Kamara. Small guy, shifty, quick, catches uh, footballs, runs the ball well. When Alvin Kamara gets his touchdowns, he's legit. When he doesn't, He's a 13 fantasy point game. Like that's oh, that's that. a big drop up. No, that's a when big they drop. When score six points on a play, they no, automatically drop. Who saw I'm that? I'm serious. Coming? You look at Alvin Kamara. I think it was 2019. The dude's touchdowns were just low. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 19. But 17, 18, killing it. 20, he gets back on track. 21, he's good. It was like 19. The dude didn't. He finished like eighth or ninth, which is still where I have Austin Eckler right now. But Austin Eckler's last year's touchdowns were insane. He had 20 of them combined between rushing and yeah. receiving. That That's something that can't be caught up to um, and is not – I don't think it's obtainable to have that year in and year out. I mean, you do 20 times six. I'm not good at math. I believe that's 120 fantasy points just on touchdowns alone. It's a great year. Again, I don't expect him to do that again, but I definitely expect him to be that's somewhere between the two down. seasons yeah. before. I mean, Austin Eckler's got to be a big part of this offense because we, first off, do we we don't know that Mike Williams is going to put the show that he did last season, or if he'll even stay healthy enough to do that. And uh, and but I believe Austin Eckler, obviously, in all this conversation, is based in the fact that they're not injured, can do the exact same thing another season again. Keenan Allen's another year older. I mean, there's there's just new weapons. Austin Eckler's still in that range, but they can still use and abuse before they go ahead and let him, you know, take off and play somewhere else. So. Um, I just, I, I just look at the Austin Eckler and after the season he had, I mean, it's fair to think that there's a regression, I guess, but I think your regression was very, very, very wide. You seem so angry about it. I am angry. <laughs> I am angry because you're falling into the trap of last year. I, I build my things off of next year and what I, how are you believe. building it off of something you haven't seen happen? <laughs> how did, how did Debo Samuel finish five? How did Mark Andrews finish nine? Sometimes you just got to throw your gut at it, AJ. Yeah, and my gut says that Austin Eckler is going to do it again. Because even there in a year go. when he only had three touchdowns, he was still a very solid uh, fantasy running back. But I digress. I don't want I don't want to beat up on you too much. And 
tell everybody why you don't understand what's going on here and all it's all okay. that nonsense. I can do the same to it's you. It's cool. Could you? Well, you know what? Here's your chance, sir. Where would you like to do the same to me? There's my top ten. Where's your issue, Nick Chubb? Still okay. Okay. So uh, here's my situation when it comes to Nick Chubb. The first thing I will say is I could probably give Nick Chubb seven. Once I had him at nine, I kind of realized I put him there and it was kind of to find a spot that he's going to go from. But my issue is I'm expecting a Kareem Hunt to have a much better season this year. I think he's got to be used in a much better, a a much bigger role. Uh, They've played off each other very well. But I, I think one with Kareem Hunt having more usage and two, I'm expecting Deshaun Watson to play at some point. Don't jump on me for that. I know there's still a lot to be figured out in that situation. And, you know, it seems like numbers keep racking up, which is like you've been doing this show going against my point here, because if the numbers do keep racking up and they find some truth to this, they may be looking at a second full year not playing. But as of now, with there being no no expected suspension yet, um, I'm looking at that as something that's going to take off. Deshaun Watson is a guy who, one, will be taking carries away because of his running ability. Two, does enjoy passing the ball. Last time we saw him, if I'm not mistaken, he eclipsed that 5,000 mark. And now you have an Amari Cooper. Uh, you re-upped on a David Njoku for whatever that's worth. But we do know that uh, Deshaun Watson likes his tight ends. And we, we still need to figure out what's coming from the rookie David Bell. There's a lot, to me, having Deshaun Watson and the weapons that they now have on this offense This is a more potent offense than it was with the Baker Mayfield, which means I think there are more weapons and more touches that are going to go around to more players, which is going to see Nick Chubb fall back a little bit. Now, granted, again, I have him at nine. I I will admit, I think he can move up a couple spots, maybe in that seven range. uh, But I think you see a slight drop off from a number three uh, just due to the fact that the weapons that they're going to have on this team, uh, I think is going to be spread out a little bit more. See, that's where I think it helps them. I think it helps them because he's going the weapons that they have on the outside can help more free uh, running lanes for Nick Chubb. And I think he's it, never I had mean, an issue, but he's never had an issue with the running lanes. We know Nick yeah. Chubb, what he can do with the opportunities given. What I'm saying is that there will be less of the opportunities. So unless that opportunity, like unless every opportunity that he gets is 20 yards and 30 yards and taking it to the house, I don't see I don't see him being able to recreate the volume or the success or the results that he did last year because the ball has to be spread around to so many other options. Like I get what you're saying and the fact that they have to pay attention, but he still has to have the opportunity to be able to do it. I I think, I think he's still trustable even without Deshaun Watson. I think this is, I mean, last year, Baker Mayfield didn't have a throwing arm and he was still had a pretty solid football year. Like, I mean, all told Nick Chubb can get it done, whether he, he, he has a quarterback or not. And Deshaun Watson will help his cause. That's for sure. But I think from talent alone, you have to look at Nick Chubb and say, if he puts a full season together, this dude could be one of the best running backs in the league, top five. And I mean, the touchdowns are there. I think that could help him out a lot too. I mean, one thing about Deshaun Watson, I'll bring this point up. If it goes against me, I don't care. It's factual. And I want everybody to know Um, Deshaun Watson doesn't check down a, a lot. He barely throws those running backs. How many times do you see Lamar Miller, catch passes how many times did you see him check down to anybody on that team he doesn't really throw to his running backs so I think that does help uh more in the side of uh of the running back um Nick Chubb because he can pop those big runs and maybe get goal line situations to where his touchdowns are up I think he gets a lot of touchdowns this year 
which could help his cause. But it's more of a gut thing with anything for Nick Chubb for me. But nine, I think, is a little low. Maybe he splits us. Yeah, right. It hits that six mark that we both yeah. uh, have so different on ours. Same team, different player on six uh, for, for our top 10 there. I have another debate here for you on your top 10. Uh, okay. And this is what I would like to point out. I love this player. I really do. And I'm looking at your number seven, Aaron Jones. I think that this is the year that we see an emergence from A.J. Dillon. <laughs> based, on, based on what we saw him do last season, A.J. Dillon got a lot of run for the Green Bay Packers. He had more rushing attempts than Aaron Jones, only you know about 15, 16 more carries, uh, close to about the same amount of yards, had more rushing touchdowns. Now, obviously, Aaron Jones, known as a passing back, uh, for Aaron Rodgers and what he can do in that passing game, I understand. But A.J. Dillon, for the first time, also showed that he can work out of the backfield and he can catch passes. Now, granted, he wasn't getting every single opportunity to catch passes. It was 37 targets, but 34 catches. That's efficiency. And that's trust that he's gaining out of Aaron Rodgers now. Not only is he getting the carries, running the ball, running the ball well, he's also getting the targets. And it's also his third season in the NFL, which means he's at that range where you are needing to either start using these type of guys that you put your capital on, or you need to start looking for ways to capitalize on what their value was. So this is the type of year without a Devontae Adams. And I think that A.J. Dillon, after last season, has proven that he's going to be a bigger factor in this, in this offense. And we thought this last year, too. We were expecting A.J. Dillon to come on strong last season, not overtake AJ Aaron Jones, but be a bigger part of the offense. And, and that started. So looking at this being a bigger split, and also, without, without having a Devontae Adams, there's just another space for another weapon and more targets to have. I, I believe A.J. Dillon's going to have a bigger say in this offense, which is not going to allow an Aaron Jones to be in the top 10. Uh, your rebuttal, sir. Yeah, um, you could have said la 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 bullshit, whatever you wanted to say. Okay. Um, and I still would have came back with the same response that I think it changes without Nathaniel Hackett. I think that changes the entire no, – changes without Nathaniel Hackett, changes without Devontae Adams. I, I truly think Aaron, – Aaron said it himself. He will be the leading receiver on the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones. And um, Aaron Mukes said that about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones yeah, yeah. didn't say that about Aaron Jones. Um, <laughs> sorry, let me clarify there. Um, but anyway, I, I think that's, that's a fair assessment. This guy's going to get so much pass catch – so much in the pass catching department, and maybe this is. Hey, you you bring up a point about a split. Maybe this is the Kareem. Maybe he's the Kareem Hunt to the Nick Chubb, and the Nick Chubb's going to be the AJ Dillon. But um, I, I think there's still enough run for Aaron Jones here. Um, the, the receptions I think are going to help him a lot. The only thing that I hold back about putting him on my top ten is the touchdowns. If he can get those touchdowns he had early in his career, this guy's going to have a top ten season. But once again, maybe he gets more receiving touchdowns, more checkdowns near the goal line, stuff like that. And that's where he works his way into the end zone. Maybe a little shuffle pass uses agility. He gets in the end. He'll find his way in the end zone. And that's where I, I think more in the receiving department and he'll still get his run too. So you've made multiple points about touchdowns and, you know, the six times the 12 and the 120 on touchdowns alone for an Austin Eckler. You bring up the touchdowns here. I believe Aaron Jones, obviously he'll get some of those short swing out touchdowns that he does so well. I believe most of his touchdowns are going to have to come off of those explosive like 40-yard touchdown runs or touchdown catches that he's had. Because once you get into that goal line area, 
I do think AJ Dillon is going to vulture a lot of these touchdowns that he can have. And once again, another reason that can pull an Aaron Jones from being in the top 10. Love Aaron Jones. Definitely think he should be on some people's teams. Definitely think he's going to be a part of the reason a lot of teams can go a little further in the in this in the fantasy season. But you talk about a handcuff. Maybe if it's me, if I can get an Aaron Jones in the second, I might go and reach for AJ Dillon in the fourth or fifth and make sure I have both of those guys. That's a handcuff that yeah. I think you want exactly because I do. I mean, look at look at the trend. So. 46 rush, uh, rushing attempts in 2020, 187 rushing attempts in 2021. Two targets in 2020, 37 in 2021. The trend is only going up. Nathaniel Hackett or not, this guy has shown the talent and shown his value on the field. I don't think that you're looking at a guy who's going to get down to 100 rushing attempts and back down to 15 targets or something of like that. I expect these numbers to only go up. And if you're giving him that run within the red zone, you're giving him that run on the goal line, I mean, take those rushing touchdowns last year. He had five. I mean, you could easily get eight this year, in my opinion, for an A.J. Dillon. Once again, making it harder for an Aaron Jones to reach the top ten. I see. Oh, uh, you I have nothing? It, Understandable. No, no. I, think it's, I think it's stupid that you said that the, the – um, sorry. I, I think it's stupid that you said that it could be a handcuff because you just brought up numbers that shows they split and you said they used two. That's not a handcuff you want. You don't want Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You you don't want two That's running not backs. That's true. I absolutely want Kareem. You want to start two I'm, running backs on the same thing. You lost your day. That would never do anything have you in my life. Did, did you see the results Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were putting up together? Yeah. yeah. But do you want to do you want thirteen multiple. and twelve or do you want a potential twenty six from the lead back? Well, that's why well, I think that, that's not. I avoid I avoid the double backfields. I don't have the 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 two that go on. I don't have a Zeke and Tony Pollard. I don't know. I mean, maybe that one works because if Zeke were to go down, which you're telling well, so so you're going to argue that Zeke and Tony Pollard work after you shat on Zeke for the last week and a half, but then yeah. argue that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb doesn't work. No, they and don't work. I mean, I guess if, if Hunt gets the care, like you, you're banking on Chubb to go down, Hunt would be the lead back in the same place there. But the thing is, is if that oh. lead running back doesn't go down, that's not a handcuff. That's not necessarily a handcuff because they could use both of them. And that would drive me nuts as a fantasy owner. But you're not starting James but, Connor and, and, and Chase Edmonds last year. But you, well, also because Chase Evans was hurt for half the season. But, well, what I'm saying, you're, both together, you're, you're not saying, saying you're oh, making, I gotta have oh. both. But you're talking about you're talking about Nick Chubb having to go down for Kareem Hunt to have value. That's not true. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were scoring in the same game. I want to say nine or ten times last season. They were both putting up results. Like there, I know multiple people. And granted, and granted, I play in multiple superflex leagues and things of that nature. I get that, and I know that's not what we're talking about. But I know people that had both of them in their lineup and would win on multiple weeks because they were that efficient together. So you may you may want to think about the the uh, definition when it comes to handcuff and hoping one goes down to play. That's fine. But having them both, one to take away from somebody else having the other guy, and two. If it's by week five and I've seen them both put up decent enough numbers, I would have no problem having a Nick Chubb. And I guess for the purposes of this conversation, I have no problem having Aaron Jones in my RB1, RB2 slot and then having A.J. Dillon in my flex spot because I've seen what they've done over the past five weeks. I'm not saying week one you're rolling that out, but I'd rather have them both than have one sitting on the bench or sitting on somebody else's roster and not, and not knowing which day it's going to be for which guy. You make me sick. That's fine. Be sick. I hope we get off these airways and you puke your brains out. That's perfectly fine by me. <laughs> I stand by what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, one more for you here. Uh, and this is strictly for you. 
Um, I, I like this player. I don't have much to say about it. But do me a solid favor and sell me on Javante Williams having a top 10 finish this season. If anybody wants to roll back the, uh, the tape on the rough cut days, I've never said a great thing about the Javante Williams last year. I, everybody was just all over him. Aaron was, would, he had his name in his mouth in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. He wouldn't stop getting his name out of his mouth. Like he loved Javante so much. And there were, uh, got Vinny sold. Of course, Aaron always sells age or Vinny. And everybody gets involved right here with Javante Williams. They get around the hype train. I'm like, all right, maybe we take a little breather. Javante Williams this year, this is the year he does it. This is the year Javante Williams puts it together. You talk about a back taking over in a backfield. I know you can bring back a Melvin Gordon. This You get Nathaniel Hackett to take over that offense. You get a Russell Wilson in there. He's going to have a great quarterback. He's going to have a lot of weapons to play around with. And Javante can be that back. You saw him last year. This guy can catch passes. This guy can catch passes. You saw him against Kansas City in his only start. The guy had six for 77 and a touchdown against a divisional opponent, the only touchdown they scored in that game. This guy is a beast, and no one's questioning his talent. It's more of his opportunity. Will he get Will he get to overtake Melvin Gordon this year? And I truly believe it. I think Nathaniel Hackett sees an opportunity here with, hey, this is a this is a dream come true for me because he's a he's a perfect combination. I'm not going to go the AJ Dillon route because he was in Green Bay with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams a little bit bigger. Aaron Jones a little bit smaller. Javante Williams is as electric and fast as, as Aaron Jones, and he can plug up the middle the way Javon, or, uh, Jamal Williams can. And Javante, he is a perfect match for someone that can just piece it all together on that offense. He's going to be a lead back, and he can sneak up to the top 10 this year. I mean, like I said, I don't have much. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on why you believe he was going to be a top 10. I, I think there will have to be a substantial downgrade or regression from a Melvin Gordon for that to come true. Because last season, I mean, Melvin Gordon still had himself a very good year. They were basically even in carries at 200 apiece. And, and Melvin Gordon did well with it. 918 yards, eight touchdowns, wasn't used as much in the receiving game. Granted, we believe that Javante Williams is going to only trend upward. Uh, and, and honestly, if you're, if you're talking about a flyer, talking about a dart throw, uh, I'm a big fan of believing in it and having a guy that didn't finish out the top 10. There's always a fantasy stud that you didn't see coming and you can enjoy and, uh, and hope to be correct on. And if you're the smartest guy in the room, maybe you're winning a fantasy championship. Uh, I, I believe in Javante Williams getting better year after year. Uh, I do think bringing Melvin Gordon back, I don't think they did it just to have someone in case Javante Williams goes down. I think they still like what uh, Melvin Gordon can do. Still a talented player. Granted, obviously, you now have Russell Wilson. Uh, you now have Nathaniel Hackett as your as your head coach. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of differences in Denver, so there's definitely change to come. But uh, I mean, you have him at ten. I can't. I, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to berate you too much for that. So I throw one more yeah. thing in here before we close. Um, sure this kind of goes against my point, but I'm just like I said. I wanted to give information to everybody here. Um, he was the worst running back when it comes to outside zone concepts last year, according to PFF. This dude got buried behind the line of scrimmage almost every single time they ran. And that's that's something that Nathaniel Hackett likes to run is those outside zone schemes. So maybe that could play with you. That's the only thing going against Javante. I think he's a good back. Everyone talks about yeah. his skill sets and what he can bring. But that's just a note that's sort of making me a little bit hesitant if I had any anything to play off of my kind words earlier. Well, a year older, uh, a year in the NFL older, you would imagine there's development there and he's 
kind of learn some of the things. You, you would hope that a guy like Javonta Williams and everything he showed last year means he's working on the parts of his game that have not quite gotten to what he would like them to be. So I would imagine that's something that you would see uh, an improvement on this season. Uh, and talk again about his running mate. Melvin Gordon is one of the best at an outside zone concept. So, uh, you know, if those guys have the type of chemistry and camaraderie I would hope they would have as a running back tandem, I would give the, I would give the fact that Devon, uh, Javante Williams could learn from that. I'm going to do uh, something that, you know, we used to do back in the day that uh, we don't do as much anymore. Just uh, kind of run to the chat a little bit and take a Ooh. question or two from our favorite people. Um, so your twin here, Bailey, uh, wants to talk about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I have him at number one. I think you have him at number three. Uh, how does Matt Ryan hurt Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> he thinks they rely on him less this year because they have a QB who can do it. Nah, I apologize. Bro. I should have vetted the I should have vetted the question a little further before I put it up there. Uh, <laughs> um, what do you think uh, Jonathan Taylor's in for this season? He uh, averaged twenty one point seven points per game last year. Uh, are you looking for a running back from Jonathan Taylor? Or you think he's going to regress? You think he's going to go scorched earth? I think he's going to just slide. I mean, you have to regress a little bit. I mean, last year was nuts. I think he regresses a little bit, but I think he still has a top three finish in him top what i have met too yeah like he's 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 legit i mean this guy is he's gonna get it done matt ryan doesn't hurt him aaron brought up the point philip Rivers, same age of his career when he came over here matt ryan's dead like he's not going to throw who's he throwing to Pittman, pierce cool <laughs> mo alley cox is he still, i mean like i mean he doesn't have it's not like he's gonna be slinging it every game to the whoever he has yeah frank reich likes to throw the football he's a quarterback guy but, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a beast, and you can't go against that. This guy's going to have a good year again this year, and I, I don't think he hurts him at all. I, I don't think he hurts him at all. I, I think he's going to be enough to, and not hurt him with throwing the football. I don't think that's the case. I think he might hurt him by not extending drives on converting third downs. But, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's still going to get his run. He's still going to put stuff up. He's still going to do his thing. Matt Ryan will convert when he has a line. <laughs> I mean, granted, it's not what their line was last year, but it's – a thousand times better than what Matt Ryan had last year in my beloved Atlanta. So uh, I don't worry too much about converting third downs and things of that nature. If anything, Jonathan Taylor is the reason he will convert third downs. Like when, when Jonathan Taylor or when Matt Ryan had a guy like Devontae Freeman, when he had a Tevin Coleman and a guy who could do some of the similar things and Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion, has the skill set of those guys tenfold uh, respectively. I, I don't think you're going to see much issue. I don't think, I don't think Matt Ryan is, the reason Jonathan Taylor will be whatever he ends up being this season, whether it's another fantastic season in his third year, or if he regresses a little bit, I don't think Matt Ryan has the reasoning for that. Um, Dylan, we're just about to end it here for our wonderful Sac City viewers. We appreciate all the love. Uh, once more, my friend, will you please tell these lovely people where they can find us? You can find us at the city. At Sac City Pod, at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. On the clock, like Kesha, all here for you. All oh of the social media platforms, all five of them. Be sure to check us out at Sac City Pod. If you don't follow us on all of them, why not? Give us a shot. Go give us a follow on all those places. News on Twitter, graphics on Instagram, our beautiful faces everywhere. And yeah. Go check us out because as AJ Johnson says, the boys are indeed back in town.
We are back in town and we will be back in town, uh, you know, Wednesday. Probably talk some more fantasy or something. Uh, you know, give you guys some more to talk about, more to think about. Uh, at that point in time, uh, one, maybe two, maybe three other guys will be back on the show. Who knows? Right. We're just going to do a mixed bag. We'll see who wants to be on the show, who doesn't want to be on the show. But until then, I've been your host, your boy, AJ Johnson. He has been doing a top-tier vocal talent in the sports casting industry, Kearns. And we have been the Sac City Pod. We appreciate all the love. We shall see you on Wednesday. Peace, Peace out. out. Yeah, I didn't really know how to do it. I, mean, yeah. I figured you still wanted the buy. You want to do it? You want to do it? Should we, should we try it back? Should, should, should I do it? the buy? You do the peace out? Oh, I said it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being at Sac City Pod. We will see you again on Wednesday. Peace out. Bye. Peace out.